He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. Well, this morning, um, I'm not really sure where I'm actually going with our message for this morning, uh, but there's been some things uh, for the last day, 24 hours or so, that I just have uh, been thoughts that have just been coming into my mind and into my heart and things that I want to talk about. And so I've got several windows pulled up on my computer, and we're just going to work through some scriptures today, most of which is actually going to come out of the book of Revelation. I do know what I think the general theme of today's conversation is going to be, and that is, is that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. God is a God of balances. He is a God of justice, a God of measurement. You reap what you sow. Let me start with Ecclesiastes because I want to start with this theme that I've been kind of going on for the last two years, really since the chaos that we are currently dealing with started. And we've seen the nefariousness of it, the wickedness of it, the evilness of it. And I've talked about how, hey, these people that that have done this to humanity, that have done this to the world, what they've got coming is going to be terrible. And in fact, the ditches that they've dug to put us in, they themselves are going into them. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes, one of the books of wisdom that we've covered in the past. It says this, verse 8, chapter 10, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whosoever breaketh a hedge a serpent shall bite him. It's this idea that you're going to get what's coming to you. And when you do these evil things, like you premeditate these evil plans, especially when you're premeditating evil plans for God's people, you've got it coming to you. And so my goal this morning is to give you some encouragement Um, And also to challenge you in some areas, there's some things I might say today that are going to offend some people, but that's nothing new. God is a God of balances, and you reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. By the way, here's a great memory verse. If you've thought about, hey, I want to start memorizing scripture, here's a great one to start with because it's easy. Galatians 6, 7, 8. Galatians 6, 7, 8, which says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth in his flesh shall shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap the Spirit 
shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. These people who have done what they have done, who've conjured up all this stuff, who perpetuate lies through the television, who poison and murder, this ditch that they've dug, they're going into it. They're going into it. Again, God is a God of balances, and he's a God of scales and precision. We're going to read uh, Revelation 18 about Mystery Babylon, because I'm going to continue to make this point. But I want to start with, remember in the book of Daniel, when judgment came to Babylon, and the, you've, the famous story of the hand writing on the wall, right? And Daniel said, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25 through 27, it says, And this is the writing that was written. Meany, meany, tekel, upharsen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meany, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. I don't have the scripture in front of me, but... When God's talking about how he's going to send the Israelites into Canaan and to, to rid the land of the Canaanites, he, he says, you know, I've, in a, I'm paraphrasing, I've been waiting for the fullness of their sin to come in. Right? There's a, God has a measurement. When that, think of it like a cup. When the cup is full, he takes that full of sin, full of iniquity, full of evil, he takes that cup that the people have been filling up and storing up, and then he dumps it right back on top of them. All the things that they had stored up, all the evil that they had done, comes crashing back on them fourfold, tenfold. The perfect example, and the most relevant example to the time that we're living in, is dealing with Mystery Babylon. So when we go to Revelation 18, let's just start reading it. It says, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through her abundance and of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven. Here's the part I'm getting at. We're talking about how God measures it, how when it's full, when the, the iniquity's full, then the judgment comes. And the judgment is the very thing that they did to others, that they stored up. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Verse 6, reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill 
to her double. It's a reaping of what you've sown. Mystery Babylon is going to be annihilated with the very evils that they poured out, that Babylon poured out on the world. Verse 7, here's more description. How much she hath glorified herself and, de- and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and I shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. That judgment's coming in one day. Just one day, boom. She's going to be burned with fire. And all the ways that she lived lavishly, right? Deliciously, deciviously. The the way that she just had all the abundance and wealth and riches at the expense of other nations around the world, at the expense of other peoples around the world, that's all coming back on her. That's all coming back on her. In the same way that she lived in luxury, that is the level of torment that she's going to receive. And one of the reasons is because she thinks to herself that nothing could ever happen. I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and I shall see no sorrow. This is why over the years I have speculated that Mystery Babylon could be the United States of America. The United States of America could be the new Rome of the end times. And there's so many, we're not going to dig into it today, but there's just so many ways that that works. Um, But there's other reasons to believe it's not. There's reasons to believe that it's literally the great city, which would be Jerusalem. Some think it's a revived Roman Empire. I think if we're going to go that route, America is the revived Roman Empire. Nevertheless, here's what we know. This place sits as a queen and thinks nothing can ever happen to me. The, the nations of the world get rich and the merchants of the earth get rich from the abundance and her... Uh, lavish living she's a fornicator which the only reason the only way you can for and an adulterer and the only way you can really kind of become that in god's eyes is if you, you are once committed to him and then you go whoring after false gods or after wickedness just something to be thinking about but the point is is that god is a god of measurement he is a god of justice and so he's keeping tabs, and he's that cup is being filled. And when that cup is full, he's going to pour it out on Babylon, and it's going to be double what she did. I mean, if we think about the evil that's going on that these people are doing right now, I mean, we, we can go down the laundry list of things that they have done that we're not allowed to even say without being censored and canceled and all of that. and it's so beyond evil that's all coming back on these people 
That's all coming back on these people. They're going to pay for what they have done. Notice God says, come out of her, my people. A lot of people speculate, what does that mean? And I don't have all the answers other than to say, I think, it, I think there's two possibilities and they could both be true. Number one, come out of her means in a spiritual sense. Meaning you step away from the ways of Babylon. You stop participating in the type of entertainment that Babylon wants to feed you. You, you know, you withdraw from the apostasy. You, you no longer participate with those things. You're no longer a part of that system. And then I think there could be a supernatural coming out where God brings his people out so that they kind of like the days of Lot scenario. Right? And Jesus makes a point to make sure we understand that it'll be like the days of Lot and Noah, right? And what happened with Lot? Lot was, angels came and literally took him by the hand because he was messing around, almost not refusing to go. And they're like, we can't do our thing till you're out of here. And they grab him by the hand and they take him out of the city and then fire and brimstone rain down. And so it could be a supernatural situation like that. Again, today the goal is not to break down all of this dealing with Babylon, other than just to say, reap what you sow. All that's evil that's been done. It's all coming back. It's all coming back. And then there's a great, and then there's the final way that it's all coming back. When we start talking about eternal consequences. Not only are they going to pay in this life, but they're going to pay for all eternity. And so we have two things that are going to happen. The righteous, those who the those who mourn, those who those who have suffered this evil, they're going to and, and have trusted in Jesus, have trusted in Christ as their salvation. They are going into an eternal kingdom. And the others are going into a lake of fire. Now, because we've heard this forever, uh, we've kind of grown numb to this, just how insanely terrible this is. It's unfathomable to think of literally being tormented, literally burning, that never ends. And worse, there's no hope that it ever ends. It never, ever ends. This is how serious it is. And people don't take their salvation seriously. And they don't, they don't understand how desperate the consequences really are. We're talking it never, ever ends. Let's read Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 through 15. Here's what's coming to the devil and to the false prophet and all these evil who have rejected Christ and have tormented the world. Starting with verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, whose face, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was no place, and there was no, there was found no place for them. 
and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now, real quick, this is like the final moments, right? Everybody's boom, resurrected, brought before God. Even the people who are currently in what we would call Hades right now, where they're being tormented, awaiting their final judgment. It's kind of like you commit a crime, you go to jail, and you await your date for a trial, right? Except in instance, this instance, they already know. They already know the outcome. So they have no hope right now as they're in Hades awaiting the final day. Then they're brought out. Okay, and we just read that. And every man is judged according to his works. It said the sea gave up the dead and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of the fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If your name's not in the book of life, that's where the future is. Let's move on to Revelation 21, the next chapter here. Verses 1 through 8. This is the good news, but it's got some... It's, it's good news for us, but there's some severe warnings as well. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these are the words, true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Aleph, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, here's the but, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire with bur which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Did you catch that list? Let's start with the very first thing on the list. These are the people going into the lake of fire, which is the second death. The fearful. This is interesting to me. This is those who lack faith. Listen, there's a lot of people who've succumbed to the fear. And things, things are bad, but they're not as bad as tribulation times. 
They're not as bad as when the wrath is poured out. They're not as bad as when the Antichrist is literally ruling and the mark of the beast is on the line. But here's the thing. And here's where I'm going to upset and offend a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have succumbed to the fear of the situation we're in now. And they've taken the world's solution to that fear. And they're buying into what the sorcerers of our day are telling them. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm looking at these people. By the way, they're also the very ones condemning everyone else. How dare you not do this? If you're unable to resist the fear of this day, and you're unable to resist taking the solutions this day because of peer pressure or because of whatever, how would, how would you ever resist the mark of the beast? Seriously. Going back to Mystery Babylon, because I brought up sorcerers. It's, when we go back to chapter 18... And it's um, giving a description of Babylon, what she's like. Verse 23, and it says, The light of the candle shall shine, shall shine no more in thee. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all the nations deceived. So all the nations are deceived by Babylon through thy sorceries. And as I've covered before, the word sorceries there is the Greek word pharmakia. That's where we get our word pharmaceutical. So if, if it's by the pharmaceuticals, if it's by the pharmacia that the nations are deceived, if that's what the sorcery is, then who are the sorcerers? I'll let you think on that for a little while. Those sorcerers who are using sorcery to deceive the nations are going into the lake of fire. I mean, am I, am I out of line here by making that connection? If, if the nations are deceived by sorceries, and that's the sin of Babylon, and it says here that the sorcerers are going into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Now listen. Let me just make it clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you've ever been afraid and made a mistake or made a decision out of fear and lack of faith that you're not saved. If you've trusted in Jesus, even if you are part of the problem, but you have trusted in Christ and you're, you're saved, all those who believe upon his name, believe that he died for our sins and then three days later God rose him from the dead shall be saved I'm talking about those godless people who are doing and bringing this evil upon the world the sorcerers the murderers the whoremongers the unbelieving notice it says the fearful and unbelieving that's the same thing 
You're fearful because you lack faith. Unbelieving. Those who reject God. In fact, I don't have it pulled up, but when we read through the book of Revelation, it's very clear that the world knows who's doing this. They're gnawing on their tongues because of the pain that they're dealing with, and it says they refuse to repent. They know Listen, according to the book of Revelation, if we take it in a literal sense, there's angels that fly through the sky warning, preaching the gospel, giving warnings. You have the 144,000. The message is being clearly put out there. Everyone knows who's pouring out this judgment, and yet they mock God. They refuse to repent. I don't really believe in atheists. I believe those who say there is no God know better. They just don't like God, and they want to believe there is no God. Scriptures say the cross sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing. The cross sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing. I want to circle back around. I feel like I'm getting down too many rabbit holes here and sometimes that causes more confusion than you reap what you sow you know even in the end times the people that have participated in the evil like we've been talking about if you go to Revelation chapter 13 verse 10 says, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. In other words, the people who are doing this, who are forcing people into captivity and killing people, they're going to, they're going to reap exactly what they've done. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. In other words, be comforted by this, knowing they're getting what's coming. What does Jesus tell Peter? Right? Peter draws a sword to try to defend Jesus. And he says, and then Jesus said to him, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 62, Put up again thy sword into thy place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. If you live by it, you die by it. You reap what you sow. If that's where your trust is, it's going to backfire. All this judgment is coming. And the vengeance belongs to the Lord. All we need to do is seek Him, continue to share the gospel, continue to pray, continue to repent of sin, and to be found doing His work when the trumpet blasts. He's going to take care of the vengeance. He's going to take care of righting all the wrongs. And then on the last day, like we read, he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. There's going to be no more pain, no more suffering. And all these wicked people that have done all this are going into the lake of fire. Deuteronomy chapter 32. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. God has a specific time when he's going to do all this. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. Paul reminds us of this in chapter 12 of the book of Romans when he's telling us how we are to walk as Christians. He says, Recompense no man evil for evil. In other words, you don't take vengeance. You don't pay them back. 
provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as it lieth with you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, as much as it relies on you, you do everything you can to be at peace. Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You reap what you sow. They're going to fall into their own pit. Be not discouraged. There's coming a day when we're going to see a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. And God is going to live amongst us and be our God and wipe away our tears. And there'll be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. He's going to make all things new. And those of us who overcome shall inherit all things. And he will be our God and we will be his sons. And here's also the good news. Is even in the midst of all this. When God's pouring out judgment and he's. He knows how to preserve his people. Let's finish by going to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, Peter chapter 2. Let's just read nine verses and then we'll wrap it up for the day. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow, follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy con conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He knows how to preserve you while still reserving the unjust for judgment. You do not need to be afraid. Does it mean we're going to be comfortable? No. Does it mean we're going to be happy to see the world falling in pieces around us as it is right now? No, of course not. It's stressful and at times fearful. But we have to remember that fear is the absence of faith. We've got to replace that with faith. We've got to replace that with faith. The unbelieving, the ungodly, those who reject Christ, reject God, they have a reason to live in fear because they have no hope. You are not supposed to live like you have no hope. They have no hope. They have to trust in the world's solutions. You don't have to. You have God. 
You don't have to be afraid all the time. They should be afraid. Because when this is all over, the unbelieving, the liars, they're going into the lake of fire. You're going into New Jerusalem. So don't be afraid and stop stressing over these wicked people. They're get, they're their day is coming. If we're supposed to pray for them because they need the Lord. They they really have no hope. Their future is horrible. What's coming for them is unthinkable. But not you. Not those of you who have trusted in Messiah. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire with burn, which, in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I hope you've been blessed this morning. I know that this this was kind of a chaotic podcast and I was kind of all over the place. I just had so many thoughts and things going on right now. But the whole point I was trying to make is that you don't need to be afraid. You reap what you sow. So sow righteousness, right? Just like we read from our uh, tour portion last week. Choose life. I said, he told Moses, I, Moses told the people, I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Trust in Jesus. Let go. Take up your cross and follow him. There's nothing, this world has nothing for us. We're sojourners in a foreign land. We have a mission. Everybody's like, I don't know what my purpose is. Your purpose is to be the salt and the light to this world. Your purpose is to share the good news of Jesus. Your purpose is to walk that out in front of others so that they will see your good works and glorify God. That is your purpose. I just want to end by saying, you know, I'm very grateful to be able to do this podcast. Uh, I'm so grateful and thankful to have this work that the Lord has given me and you guys have supported it over the years and made it possible, and it's just, it's a great blessing to me. It's a great blessing to me to be able to do this and to study the Word and to share ideas, and I definitely don't get it all right. And I, and I get nervous when I do messages like this where I'm kind of off the cuff because I fear that I will say something that it'll come out in, in a way that I don't mean and people take it the wrong way and I don't want to lead anybody wrong and it's hard but I'm grateful to be able to do it and I my hope my prayer is that one day I'll stand before God and he'll say well done good and faithful servant but it'll be because you guys helped me make it possible so thank you for praying thank you for supporting it thank you for sharing it I hope you've been blessed this morning. I hope I've given you some things to think about, some things to study. My job is not to tell you everything. My job is to stir a hunger within you and to let you, and to share the good news, which is that Christ was crucified. He died. God rose him from the third day. And if you believe, 
If you believe, you will also be resurrected in the last days. And you don't have to be afraid of what's coming. Because you are not appointed to wrath. And God knows how to preserve the righteous out of temptation. That's what the scriptures say. And he's a God of justice and a God of balance. And the scales are found a little uneven. Right? They're way... Things have been weighed in the balances and it's found wanting. We're at a place where I feel like because God is who he is, because he is is a righteous and holy God, he's going to have to do something soon because this is unsustainable. There has to be judgment or there has to be revival, but God is going to have to do something because of who he is and because because of his nature. And so I'm looking and hoping with expectation, waiting on the Lord. All right, I've rambled on enough. Uh, Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. Until next time, God bless.